Hello, fellow saints, and welcome back to Come Follow Me with Brother T. This is my third podcast, and I'm really excited to talk about Enos and Jerem, Omni, Words of Mormon. Those are the books we're going over. I want you to take a moment and think about a trial you went through where you could not fathom why you were called to go through that trial. But either later you learned the answer and it all made sense, or maybe you never did learn the answer and you're just trusting that you eventually will. You may be going through a trial right now. In fact, we are all kind of going through a trial right now with this COVID-19 uh, being quarantined and, and not being able to meet as saints together and have regular Sunday school. You have to listen to this weird podcast. Anyway, think about that trial. Really look at it from all angles and then think about how it relates to these chapters in the Book of Mormon. Now, the other thing I want you to do is I want you to think about a really good book or movie where everything comes together at the end. Okay, think about that. And if you need to pause the, the podcast, go ahead and do that. So these books here, there's some themes that, that we need to look at in these, in these chapters, in these books of the, in the Book of Mormon. Uh, there's prayer, there's forgiveness, there's care for others, there's prosperity through Christ, there's the importance of the scriptures, there's peace in Christ. So in that saying, let's start off with the book of Enos. And who was Enos? Enos was the son of Jacob. Uh, so Nephi was his uncle and, and Lehi was his grandfather. Right? And it says here in, in verse 2, he says, And I will tell you of the wrestle which I had before God before I received a remission of my sins. And I love the word wrestle there because it, it connotes something that that we don't often talk about. And that is that being repentant or repenting of our sins is a struggle, that it takes effort. So if you look here, it says he's, you know, he searches deep for those things that that caused him to err. I and mean, I imagine he was a pretty righteous man. I mean, if you read his, the rest of the, the chapter here, he seems like a really righteous person. So there was probably not that much that he had to ask for forgiveness for. But nevertheless, he did. He looked for those things. He confessed them. And then he sought repentance or to change. And that, that took some planning. It took some work with the Lord. It says in, in verse 3, it says, Behold, I went to hunt beasts. So he wasn't going out there to, he didn't say, I walked out into the forest to repent of my sins. He said he goes out there to hunt beasts. So what was he doing when he was hunting beasts? He says, in the words which I had often heard my father speak concerning eternal life and the joy of the saints sunk deep into my heart. And I don't know about you, but that sounds a lot like pondering to me. So he was out there, and of course, we're, we're commanded to pray always. And he was praying, essentially. In his mind, he was pondering, which is a form of prayer. And as he was pondering, it says here in verse 4, And my soul hungered, and I kneeled down before my Maker, and I cried unto him in mighty prayer and supplication for mine own soul. And all the day long did I cry unto him, yea, and when the night came, I did still raise my voice high, that it reached the heavens. Notice the words that he uses here. My soul hungered, I cried, supplication, desire, poured out his whole soul. He was, he was serious about this. And, and not that every prayer of ours needs to be that serious where we're pouring out our whole soul. In fact, he doesn't reference it again that he did this anymore. There are certain times in our lives, however, that we do need to take the time to really search our souls and look deep and see what those things are that the Lord would have us do to make our lives better, to change. And the Lord answers in verse 5 and tells him that he's been forgiven and that he's going to be blessed. And Enos knows it because he knows the Lord can't lie. 
And then he wonders, how is it done? You know, why, why, is my, why am I able to be forgiven? And in verse 8, he says, And he said unto me, Because of thy faith in Christ, whom thou hast never before heard nor seen, and many years pass away before he shall manifest himself in the flesh, wherefore go to, thy faith hath made thee whole. And I hope we've had that experience at some point in our lives where we've had the opportunity to repent or to look for forgiveness for our sins, and we felt that peace come over our whole souls. We felt that warm feeling that the Spirit wash over us. And we know it's true, and we know it's true because the Holy Ghost says it's true, and it happens because of Christ who has atoned for our sins. Now, there's more to learn from Enos, uh, the book of Enos, of course, and from Enos. In verse 9, he says, Now it came to pass that when I had heard these words, I began to feel a desire for the welfare of my brethren, the Nephites. Wherefore, I did pour out my whole soul unto God for them. So it gives us an idea of, of how to pray. You know, we work out our salvation with the Lord, and now we look to the salvation of others. And in verse 10, he says, And while I was thus struggling in the Spirit, behold, the voice of the Lord came into my mind again, saying, I will visit thy brethren according to their diligence in keeping my commandments. And then he reminds Enos of the covenant. I have given unto them this land, and it is a holy land. And I curse it not, save it be for the cause of iniquity. Wherefore, I will visit thy brethren according as I have said, and their transgressions will I bring down with sorrow upon their own heads. It's very interesting, right? He, He reminds them of the covenants, and then he specifically says, hey, I will bless them as they merit it. And then Enos goes on. He, he knows that the Lord's telling the truth there. And he goes on in verse 11, and he starts praying for his enemies. And after I, Enos, had heard these words, my faith began to be unshaken in the Lord. And I prayed unto him with many long strugglings for my brethren, the Lamanites. I don't know how many of us pray for our enemies like this. I, I think it would be pretty difficult to do so. But it's a great example to us of what we can do. And then in verses 12, 15, and 16, he prays to preserve the records. And and the Lord, it's funny, in 18, he says, you know, just like everyone else has asked, uh, I'm going to do it. And the Lord said unto me, thy fathers have also required of me of this thing, and it shall be done unto them according to their faith, for their faith was like unto thine. Meaning that he had great faith, of course, and that the Lord was going to do it. And of course, we know he does it. We have the scriptures right in front of us, knowing that the record has been preserved. But I want you to take a note. I mentioned earlier about the books and a really good book, especially a good mystery book that everything gets revealed in the end. I want you to remember that little verse right there where he's talking about the record. So a little bit of clue into the record there. So hopefully I'm going to paint this picture and and create a mystery book in in this uh, podcast as well. So and then in verse 19, uh, he, he talks about a little bit more about his repentance. He says, Now it came to pass that I, Enos, went about among the people of Nephi, prophesying of things to come and testifying of the things which I had heard and seen. And I bear record that the people of Nephi did seek diligently to restore the Lamanites unto the true faith in God. So why do I say he, it's part of his repentance? So repentance obviously takes recognizing where your sins are. That's why he wrestled with the Lord to recognize his sins. And then it takes confessing it to the Lord. And he did that. He confessed to the Lord. And then the Lord told him his sins are forgiven him. But that's not the end of repentance. Repentance also requires us to go out and sin no more or to make restitution or to do better. And what does he do? It says here that he worked with many of the prophets among him 
and was preaching uh, everything. I mean, they were being very brutal with these people. This is harshness, preaching and prophesying of wars. This is in verse 23. And contentions and destructions and continually reminding them of death and the duration of eternity and the judgments and the power of God and all these things, stirring them up continually to keep them in the fear of the Lord. I say there was nothing short of these things and exceedingly great plainness of speech which would keep them from going down speedily to destruction. See, Enos didn't just pray and ask for forgiveness and then ask for all of these things for his brethren, the Nephites, and then ask for things for his enemies, the Lamanites. No, he, he went out and preached among the Nephites to accomplish the task that the Lord had for him. He even tried to go among the Lamanites and preach repentance to them, although it, it said it, it didn't work worth a darn. But anyway, he looks and, and he knows by the end that he's given it his all. And he knows why he did. And he says in, in verse 27, And I soon go to the place of my rest, which is with my Redeemer. For I know that in him I shall rest. And I rejoice in the day when my mortal shall put on immortality and shall stand before him. Then shall I see his face with pleasure. And he will say unto me, Come unto me, ye blessed. There is a place prepared for you in the mansions of my Father. Amen. What a great sealing testimony that, that Enos gives to us. Because he wrestled with the Lord, because he sought forgiveness, because he prayed and pondered, because he worked to help restore the truth to the Lamanites and to help his brethren live more righteously, he was assured rest with his Redeemer. And he knew it. He knew it as sure as anything else, and that's why he put it in, in writing and he engraved it in gold plates. And what a great example Enos is to us. And now we have Enos giving the records to his son, Jerem. And in 1 through 3, it, it talks about the genealogy, and he gives a quick commentary of the people. Uh, and, and here again, I want you to take note of this. He gives a genealogy. It says in verse 2, And as these plates are small... And these things are written for the intent of the benefit of our brethren, the Lamanites. Wherefore, it must needs be that I write a little. Okay, keep in mind that. And then he talks about the people in verse 4. And he says, And there are many among us who have many revelations, for they are not all stiff-necked. And as many as are not stiff-necked and have faith, have communion with the Holy Spirit, which maketh manifest unto the children of men according to their faith. Now, just like in Jacob's time and Enos's time, and now here in Jerem's time, there were plenty of wicked, and they really had to. The prophets really had to work hard to help people repent and, and stay on the right path. But there were righteous, and they kept the faith, and they, they received the blessings from it. And because there were enough righteous people, it says in verse eight, and we multiplied exceedingly and spread upon the face of the land, and became exceedingly rich in gold and in silver and in precious things and in fine workmanship of wood in buildings and in machinery, and also in iron and copper and brass and steel, making all manner of tools of every kind to till the ground and weapons of war, yea, the sharp-pointed arrow and the quiver and the dart and the javelin and all preparations for war. So their technology, their prosperity came because of righteousness, and that prosperity and technology was given to them to bless them, to protect them from their enemies. And it takes righteous people, though. That's the promise of the promised land, right? That's why we're there. And it says in verse 9, And thus being prepared to meet the Lamanites, they did not prosper against us. Okay, but then he goes on, he says, But the word of the Lord was verified, which he spake unto our fathers, saying, Inasmuch as you will keep my commandments, you shall prosper in the land. There's the qualifier. Inasmuch as we keep the commandments of the Lord in the promised land, we'll be safe from destruction as well. The problem is, is on the other side, is that if we're not keeping the commandments, 
That's where we have the problem. But he says in verse 11, a great verse is, Wherefore the prophets and the priests and the teachers did labor diligently, exhorting with all long suffering the people to diligence. I love that word diligence. Teaching the law of Moses and for the intent for which it was given, persuading them to look forward unto the Messiah and believe in him to come as though he already was. And after this manner did they teach. So just like everything else, it focuses around the Messiah, the Savior, Christ. And he bears his testimony that if we follow the Savior, we'll be protected and we'll be blessed in this promised land. And then he reminds us again here, I'm, I'm dropping another hint again. It says in 14, And I, Jerem, do not write more, for the plates are small. But behold, my brethren, ye can go to the other plates of Nephi. For behold, upon them the records of our wars are engraven, according to the writings of the kings, or those which they caused to be written. And then he gives the plates to his son, Omni, and says, gives him a commandment that he must also write in and take care of these smaller plates. Notice it's the smaller plates. Okay, we'll get to that later. So now Omni has the plates, and he's the son of Jerem, and uh, he talks about preparing the genealogy, preserving the record again. Uh, he says he's not a righteous person, but uh, obviously he was obedient. He says there's a lot of wars between them and, and the Lamanites. And then he passes it on to his son Amaron. And, and Amaron writes of, of the wicked parts of the Nephites being destroyed because they didn't serve the Lord. And he hands him over to his brother, uh, Chemish. And it's funny because Chemish rats him out for, for basically writing it and then giving it to him on the same day. But then he does the same thing, so I don't, I don't know if it's a big deal. And, and then there's Abinadam, who's the son of Chemish. And, and he starts to talk about two different records again. And, and we've heard an account of these records over and over. We hear about the small plates and then the larger plates. And the larger plates are kept by the kings. And these smaller plates have been handed down now from Nephi to his brother Jacob, from Jacob to Enos, uh, to, from Enos to uh, his son Jerem, from Jerem to his son Omni, from Omni to his son Amaron, and then Amaron gives him to his brother Chemish, and from Chemish to his son Abinadom, and from Abinadom to his son Amalekai. And Amalekai writes probably a little bit more than, than the others. And here again, he references the two records, one going to the kings, right? And those records are with the King Mosiah, and he tells the story of Mosiah, how they were warned, King Mosiah was warned with the Nephites that they better get out of there, that they're going to be destroyed by the Lamanites if they don't flee. So they, they flee and they find a people in what they call the land of Zarahemla. And, and we'll learn later that this is the Mulekites, uh, the Mulekites being the children of King Zedekiah, who was king over the kingdom of Judah in Jerusalem when the Babylonians attack and, and wipe them out. But uh, Zedekiah had a son named Mulek who escaped with a group of people and they came to the promised land, but they didn't have any records. Because they didn't have any records, uh, they were unable to preserve their language, so their language was changed a little bit. And they, they also fell into wickedness because they didn't have any scriptures with them. Remember, the brass plates were brought by Lehi. Mulek got out so quickly that he probably didn't have a chance to grab any of the records. So when King Mosiah and his people come, they have scriptures, they begin to teach them, they teach them their language, and there's great rejoicing. And, and they, they learn that the, the people of Zarahemla, or the Mulekites, uh, had met up with one Coriantumr, who was the, the last of descendant of a, of a long and ancient group of people. And we'll, of course, come to that story when we come and talk in the book of Ether about the Jaredites. But they also have this 
this record that they found on tablets that explains the history of the, the people of the, the Jaredites. And, and here's where we get to the point and the plot reveals how all of these characters are coming together into one story. And I feel like I'm reading a Robert Jordan, Brandon Sanderson, Orson Scott Card, or Jeff Wheeler novel here, you know, where you have all of these people coming together. And you know there's so many backstories. You're like, well, what are, how, did, how did he get into the story? What, what's going on him? And you know there's like 12 different books that they're going to write, and they're all going to be long and great and, and super impressive. And Amalekai is so impressed with King Benjamin, who is King Mosiah's son, and not having children of his own that he could pass this on to, he said, King Benjamin, this is in verse 25, knowing King Benjamin to be a just man before the Lord, wherefore I shall deliver up these plates unto him. So now this small record of Nephi are with King Benjamin along with the larger record or history of the people. And then Amalekai bears his testimony. And I love what he has to say. He says, now my beloved brethren, this is verse 26, I would that ye should come unto Christ, who is the Holy One of Israel, and partake of his salvation and the power of his redemption. Yea, come unto him and offer your whole souls as an offering unto him, and continuing fasting and praying, and endure to the end. And as the Lord liveth, ye will be saved. Great testimony there by Amalekai. And, and his words that, that really speak to us and, and set up the rest of the Book of Mormon. He goes on to talk about how his brother and some of the other Nephites traveled to different parts of the land, and some of them were lost, and et cetera, et cetera. Some will try to go back into the land of inheritance. And then he also, here again, verse 30, says, And I, Amalekai, had a brother who also went with him. That's what he's talking about. And I have not since known concerning them. And I'm about to lie down in my grave, and these plates are full and I make an end of my speaking. So here again, he's talking about the smaller plates, and now he's saying that they're they're full. And then we go right into the words of Mormon. Now, the words of Mormon are is the only book that's not a book in the, in the Book of Mormon, right? You have, you have the, the Book of Nephi, you have several, the first, second, and third, fourth. Uh, you've got the Book of Jacob. And this is just words of Mormon. And the reason that it is is because this was written a long time after the rest of this record is most of it's sequential. There's a couple things that are out of sequence, the Book of Ether being one of them, uh, having Moroni insert that in there. But this is also not consistent with the timeline here. This is Mormon speaking as the abridger, speaking hundreds of years later. And we have a great big spoil alert. Uh, he, he basically tells us that uh, his people, the Nephites, are being destroyed by the Lamanites and that he has taken all of these records and put them together and now we know the end. And so, of course, now there's no more reason to read the end, right? No, of course not. There's so much more here. In fact, uh, I like this little section in here because it reminds me of an M. Night Shyamalan movie where you've been seeing these clues of all of these little things. And he's talking about the small plates, the extra small plates. And, and this is what he says in verses 3 and 7. And now I speak somewhat concerning that which I have written. For after I had made an abridgment from the plates of Nephi down to the reign of king, this King Benjamin, of whom Amalekai spake, I searched among the records which had been delivered into my hands, and I found these plates, which contain this small account of the prophets from Jacob down to the reign of this King Benjamin, and also many of the words of Nephi. So he happens to come upon these smaller plates that we keep referencing. And it says, And I do this for a wise purpose, for thus it whispereth me according to the workings of the Spirit of the Lord, which is in me, 
And now I do not know all things, but the Lord knoweth all things, which are to come. Wherefore, he worketh in me to do according to his will. And we've seen this other places before. In First Nephi chapter 9, verses 2 and 3, Nephi references, Hey, I'm, I'm keeping another set of scriptures because... I don't know why. The Lord told me to. And uh, there's another larger set that, that my father wrote in that I've written in and uh, that will be mostly not genealogy and in and, and history. This is going to be more spiritual. He says it again in 1 Nephi 10.1. He references it again in 1 Nephi uh, chapter 19. There's where he also references, by the way, from the last lesson, uh, several prophecies from Zenos. So those are always great. And then again, 2 Nephi chapter 5, verse 30, Jacob mentions it in 3.14, Jerem mentions it in 1.14, Omni in 1.11 and 30, and, he, and this is where Abinadom says that the kings have the larger plates and the smaller plates are full. And then Mosiah even references it in Mosiah 1.6, which we'll get to it, when King Benjamin is giving the plates to his son, Mosiah, not the previous king, Mosiah, but the younger one. We'll find more about that in later. And we find out why. And here's where it all is revealed. Why? Why did all of this happen? And this is what I was talking about earlier in terms of trials. Why we're asked to do things, trials or otherwise, that we don't even know why. And we might not find out in this lifetime. We might find out hundreds of years later. We might find out uh, 10 years later. It doesn't, doesn't, we don't always know. But we find out in Doctrine and Covenants section 3 and also in section 10. And this is the story of the lost 116 pages. And if you remember, Martin Harris is helping Joseph Smith uh, translate the Book of Mormon. But he's got some, some things that are nagging on him. And one of the things is that his wife is really not pleased with, with Martin's decisions in, in terms of working with the prophet Joseph Smith. And Martin is trying to convince her, but she wants proof and evidence. And he, he asks Joseph, hey, can, can we have some proof and evidence? And, and Joseph asks the Lord, hey, can we give him a copy of the translation of this 116 pages? And the Lord says no. And Joseph goes back to the Lord and says, hey, he really wants it. He's helping us out a lot here. Can we give him a copy of the 116 pages that we translated? And the Lord says no. And then the third time he goes back again and he says, you know, Martin's really giving me a lot of pressure. He really wants it. I, I think it, 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 he, he promises that he's not going to, nothing's going to happen. It'll help his family. It'll help us. And the Lord says, hey, do what you want to do. And, of course, we know that uh, he, he lets Martin take it. Martin shows it to his family. He was supposed to only show it just to his family. His wife invites others to come see it. This big plot happens. They steal the pages, and they're lost. And uh, Martin is condemned pretty harshly, and Joseph is, uh, is reprimanded pretty harshly, and he's not able to translate for quite a long period of time. And then the Lord reveals in, in section 10 that, hey, I knew this was going to happen. <laughs> Obviously, he knows everything. And I've set up a system so that it, it, we could overcome this. And there's these smaller plates translate those because these wicked people who have stolen those 116 pages are, are out to get you. And they have already changed the manuscript and are trying to say that you are a false prophet. And the ways of the Lord are so trustable. Right? We, can, we can trust that the Lord has a plan for us. Even when we're going through these moments where we can't see the beginning from the end, it doesn't make any sense to us. I mean, even right now, what, why in the world are we not allowed to meet for church because of a virus? Right? I mean, we've never, this has never happened before. It's unprecedented. Why would the Lord allow this to happen? But there are things that we can learn from it. 
And sometimes we discover those things that we can learn from our trials and situations much, much later. And it blesses us and it shapes us and it gets us to be who we are today or who we are going to be or who the Lord wants us to be. Uh, it's like the, the current bush uh, that Hubie Brown talked about. I am the gardener and I know what I want you to be. And the Lord knows what he wants us to be. And brothers and sisters, I hope we'll take the, the time to consider these, these chapters, these, these books in the Book of Mormon, these verses, and take them to heart and bring them into our souls and do as Enos did and wrestle with the Lord for forgiveness for our sins and think about how we can bless the lives of others and serve others and, and therefore work out our own salvations, that we can be like, like Benjamin, who we'll read about later or we can read about in the words of Mormon. I want to bear my testimony that Christ is our Savior, that he knows the end from the beginning and he loves us. He wants us to be the best that we can. He knows our situation. And I know that to be true, and I say that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening. Uh, still, again, if you're interested in being more interactive and sending me an email, uh, my email is drjaredthomas at gmail.com. I did have a few people uh, text me. Uh, my cell phone number is 916-412-2136. Feel free to text me if you have any questions or just want to make a comment. I appreciate all of that. And have a great day and a blessed day and a happy Sabbath.